Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. Today is April the 6th and it is currently 5.05 p.m. My name is Christine Kim and I will be your show host for this afternoon. I am broadcasting to you live from the University of British Columbia Vancouver campus from unceded Musqueam territory. Today our show consists of an interview with Joseph Benjamin, the founder of a new public relations company based in LA, California called Revolt PR. We also have a review of Vancouver Fashion Week that happened from March 14th to March the 20th, as well as an on-air ticket giveaway for the Royal Winnipeg Ballet's opening performance tomorrow for Going Home Star. Before we get started with our interview with Joseph, I want to start off the show by plugging two very, very cool shows that everyone should check out this week and the next week. Uh, The first is the Lab Arts Show. This is a multidisciplinary art exhibition featuring up to 150 artists, 500 pieces of art all by designers from up to 12 different countries. There will be paintings, sculptures, short films, live music, contemporary dance, fashion shows, and a whole lot more. It is in its uh, second annual, 12th annual run, um, and tickets for the event are $25 through Eventbrite, which is an online ticketing website, or you can buy tickets at the door for $32. The event will be held at the Roundhouse in downtown, downtown Vancouver from uh, April 16th to the 17th, so next Saturday and Sunday. The next event I want to plug is for the performance by Anushka Shankar this Friday, April 8th at the Chan Shun Concert Hall. Anushka is a sitarist. A sitar is a stringed instrument of India having a seasoned gourd for a body and a hollow wooden neck with movable raised frets. I hope that gives you um, a little bit of a image of what that instrument is like. And she is going to be accompanied by Sanjeev Shankar, who will be playing the Shinaj, which is the Indian reed, as well as percussionist Manu Delago and pianist Tom Farmer. So several musicians and uh, they and Anushka specifically will be performing works with these individuals from her new album called Land of Gold, which was inspired by recent stories from the global refugee crisis and the harrowing accounts of civil war victims fleeing Syria. Anushka describes the creative process in uh, producing Land of Gold in the following way, quote, the narrative thread carried throughout the album evokes themes of disconnection, vulnerability, and the underlying hope that persists in our darkest experiences. My instrument is the is a terrain in which I explore the gamut of emotional expression, evoking shades of aggression, anger, and tenderness, while incorporating elements of classical minimalism, jazz, electronica, and Indian classical styles, end quote. So I will be playing a short promo of uh, Anushka's performance before moving on to our very first live guest of the afternoon, uh, Joseph Benjamin. So while I get him on the phone, um, please do enjoy this uh, short trailer of Land of Gold. Um, and you are listening to the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. Be no burden, be polite, say goodbye and say hello. Land of Gold for me was a way to express 
my feelings about things that are happening in the world. It really felt like it was a, a cry against injustice. Um, while I was making the album, there were so many things in the news, um, particularly with regards to the refugee crisis. I didn't plan it that way when I started making an album, but I just found that that was what was on my mind all the time. I was just crying when I read the news and I'd go into the studio to make music. And so automatically that ended up being what was coming out. And before I knew it, I was making an album in response to the refugee crisis and all the horrible things I was seeing. When we wrote the song Land of Gold, I didn't know that was gonna be the, the title of the album. But um, when we had our wonderful uh, singer, our collaborator, Alev Lenz, come and sing, um, it felt like the emotional content of her voice and the words that she's saying encapsulates the themes on the whole album in a way that, as an instrumentalist, I can struggle to bring that across directly to a listener. And the phrase, Land of Gold, it just felt like I didn't have to search for a title that, in three words, said everything I was trying to say. Find the kind heart it's always difficult to compare albums, but uh, in a lot of ways I feel like it's the strongest album I've made. It feels like it's an album where my instrument, the sitar, is existing in a very new space. And on this album the instrument's just allowed to run free. You know, it's being aggressive, it's being angry, it's being sweet. Um, but it feels like it's my strongest playing in a lot of ways. And I feel like one thing I succeeded at with my team on this album was to have it not feel PC. It feels like one really cohesive sound. This album, unlike other albums, really started from the ground up with a key team of collaborators. And so it felt like the few of us were really making this album together. I couldn't have done it without them. Um, my husband produced my record. That was quite nerve-wracking before we started, but it was brilliant because he has an amazing ear and an amazing vision. Um, Manu Delago, who is the world's foremost hung drum player, he um, has been working with me for a couple of years, but that collaboration has really grown, and he was a co-writer on nearly all the pieces and also plays across the album, um, so it just wouldn't sound the way it does without him. Matt Robertson is an amazing producer. He's done things like all of Bjork's last recent albums and he's an incredible uh, electronic producer who works in, in a very unique way and he's just brought such a, a magical texture and sound to the album. And then um, Sanjeev Shankar has been in my band for a while. He's a student of my father's. He plays an incredible instrument called the Shanai. It's a reed instrument from India. and. At the album's inception, we designed it as a kind of trio between myself, Manu and Sanjeev. And that was the kind of initial starting ground for the album. From there it grew and took on you know, more guest artists and collaborators, but in essence, at heart, it's, it's, it's about that trio. Welcome back, arts reporters please do consider checking out uh, this unforgettable performance by Anushka Shankar Friday, 8 p.m. at the Chan Shan Concert Hall. 
Now, on the line, we do have Joseph Benjamin, uh, founder of Revolt PR, which is a newly established communication agency. Uh, Revolt Agency is finding new and interactive ways to use social engagement tactics tactics to engage with millennials. It is a non-traditional public relations agency that seeks to engage and inspire as much as inform. Thank you so much for being on our show today, Benjamin. You're welcome. Uh, (laughs) Now, my introduction of Revolt PR was quite vague. Can you go into depth on what exactly makes this PR agency different from the rest? Um, Before I go into that, I want to ask you a question. Have you heard about um, American Apparel's, um, what's happening with that company? What is happening currently? Um, I've heard of the company. So American Apparel has been in the media a lot for... um, the advertisements and what um, and what you know millennials feel to be, um, I guess you could say that advertising is only targeting one group of people, you know. And so a lot of millennials, like if you look on, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, a lot of people are saying that they feel as though it's only targeting a certain demographic instead of everyone. Um, American Apparel has been in. Um, has had a lot of bad press based on what the owner was doing with the company and, and again, the, the marketing that the company has been putting out. So looking at that and looking at a lot of other things that's going on with, like, Walmart, um, Target, I created um, Revolt PR to, because millennials care about social justice. That's really important to millennials. Um, what, are, what are companies doing for their, for their um, employees? How are they giving back to the community? These things are super important to today's millennials, and where and it's really also what's important to them is where they spend where they spend their money and the companies they want to work for because they want to because they want to make sure that um, the places they work who they're working for is actually caring about their employees and, and giving back to the community as well as their employees. So, Revolt PR was was founded based on based on those two things with millennials in mind and finding interactive ways to engage, help companies engage millennials. So instead of, you know, a company putting out a marketing plan that would, that they feel would engage with, you know, I guess you could say a certain demographic, it would engage with millennials in a general sense instead of just pinpointing, you know, let's say Asians between the ages of 17 to 35, but all millennials in general. Right, right. And you said that one of the ways that you hope to engage millennials is especially through social justice issues. And um, just the fact that you started off this interview by targeting, you know, a very uh, present issue uh, with the fact that American, some people think that American apparel is only targeting a specific demographic. Um, What do you think are some of the other common distinguishing threads of being a millennial as opposed to a non-millennial? Um, brand brand loyalty. A lot of companies aren't like a lot of older companies, like like um, fashion houses, for instance, um, Chanel. They aren't they they aren't really targeting millennials for marketing. They're targeting you know baby boomers and older generations because they don't feel like millennials are brand loyal. And the reason why millennials aren't brand loyal today is because of the marketing marketing tactics marketing tactics excuse me and the things that they're seeing in advertisement. And that's one of the things that I try to talk about. And on my, on, that's one of the things I talk about on my blog. Um, it's been a lot of, I, I feel like it's just been a lot of back and forth with marketers and PR professionals, whether or not 
you know, millennials will be brand loyal. And that's, mm-hmm. and that's like they are for the most part. Um, it's, again, going back to American Apparel. American Apparel Forever 21, um, companies like that, uh, Forever 21, I'm sorry, there's one more, I can't think of it. More, the, millennials spend, on average, each, each year, about $45 billion at these companies. Is that, that is brand loyal. The same millennials, the same millennials are making more money than past generations are buying, you know, shoes from the Chanel or buying shoes from Giuseppe Zanotti or and buying clothes from, you know, uh, even newer designers that are millennials themselves put by air. So that's one of the, I feel like that's one of the biggest things that marketers are faced with is trying to understand how millennials can be brand loyal. Mm-hmm. Does that you, make sense? Right, right. It does. And do you think that the uh, way that public relations um, marketing, especially for those kind of uh, brands like, like you said, Forever Twenty One, American Apparel, and just the fashion industry, the Western fashion industry in general, do you think that the demographic being targeted is very um, exclusive? I do. I do sometimes. I do. I do sometimes. Um, just the other day, I was looking at a PR plan for um, a designer, a big designer. I'm not actually going to say who it was. And this designer company was literally only targeting females from the ages, I would say, from the ages of 45 to 70. And I, I, I thought that was a big mistake because no, seventy, somebody who is 70 years old really isn't <laughs> going out every day or even shopping online that much. Or have any interest in buying clothes because usually these days somebody who's seventy has clothes they had almost thirty years ago. So yeah, sometimes I do feel like it's very exclusive. Like um, there is like there is a designer called Put by Air. Um, he's I think he's on his third season. He was he was recognized by in a winter for his marketing incentives. Because now, not because he is—he's a black designer, and he's more, and he—he he wanted his he first created this line for for gay people. But when his his line went to production, he he actually saw that you know there was a there was a big market for it, and I feel like that's what that's that's what's very common in the fashion industry. They're they only they're, they limit themselves in their designs based on what they who they're designing for, mm. when in reality. There's other people out there that buy your clothes as well, and I feel and I, and I just feel like that that right there stops people from buying certain designers' clothes. Right, bringing this conversation a little bit more focused onto uh, Revolt PR in particular, can you tell me a little bit about uh, the kind of growth you've seen in the company since? you started what kind of uh work have you guys been doing what kind of projects are you currently uh focusing on right now one of the biggest projects that i'm focusing on is i just got a client her name is Brittany daniels and she wrote she wrote a book called lifeline and the book is about you know the book is about a social justice issue suicide um she so she went through some things in her past and she decided to write a fictional book about uh, a woman who works on a who works on a bridge, and she she actually helps people not to commit suicide. And I'm really excited about that because we've been getting a lot of positive feedback about about the book, 
and a little information we have in releasing about the book. So that's one of the things that I'm really excited for. Um, another one of our big projects is that we're actually working with a brand called um, Brand Integrity, and it, they they are based in Australia as a designer, and I, we're bringing them over to you know in the United States, and we're gearing up to do two shows for them in LA, and um, we're about to sign two more clients. That's really exciting. It seems as though you guys are getting a lot of cool, um, cool, um, different, cool projects that target kind of the social justice um, aspects that you are quite passionate in. Um, so I guess since you started off this interview with kind of targeting a uh, a very current um, discussion that's going on. I was wondering um, if you have seen recently kind of the backlash that Gap as a company has been facing uh, due to the uh, due to the ad of three kids, three uh, girls um, who are white, and then there's one of the girls who's laying, I guess, her arm um, over top of another girl um, who's shorter in stature and is black. Um, there was a lot of social media, I guess, backlash on that imagery. Um, and I was wondering, have you heard about this? Um, and what yeah, were your I, thoughts? I, I was, I was, I've, I've heard of that, about that for a couple of weeks now. And a lot of mm-hmm. people have been sending emails about it. Because Gaps mm-hmm. is one of the companies that, Gaps is actually one of the companies that I do freelance for. So I've been oh, really? a lot of emails about that and yeah. Comments on social media. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, to tell you the truth, is I don't care, and <laughs> for two reasons. It's because I don't. I, I personally don't think that. I personally don't think that that was meant to be like racist, racist or or anything derogatory towards you know African Americans. And I don't. I don't think that at all because a few years ago, Gap released a picture or an advertisement with a black girl with her arm on top of a white girl. Right. And there was there was there was there was no backlash for that for that picture, but it, but I I'm sorry and I am black, but as soon as the picture is released with you know with a white girl and her arm on top of a black on top of a black kid everyone wants to everyone everyone wants to yell racist, and that's not even the case. Right, right. So I just, I think I personally think that was ridiculous. Well, thank you very much, uh, Joseph, for uh, kind of chatting with me today um, about Revolt PR. And I think it's really cool um, that you are uh, not afraid to speak out um, and utilize social justice issues um, and integrate it into the kind of uh, freelance work you do, and especially this public relations agency that you've uh, founded. Can you tell our listeners who want to find out more about Revolt um, or even just about the work that you do in general, can you give us some information on how to follow you? Sure. Um, my, my blog is up. I don't actually have a website up for my PR firm, so everyone contacting through my blog. It's called fashionandrevolt.com. It has all my, you know, my social media links. I'm very active on social media. I'm on social media every day. So um, if anyone wants to get in contact with me, that's the best way, or just to email me. But fashionandrevolt.com. Fantastic. Thank you again for being on our show. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye.
That was Joseph Benjamin, founder of Revolt PR, which is a newly established communication agency. Um, and as you have heard him speaking, um, he is really trying to use uh, relevant social issues, social justice issues, um, to engage millennials um, into the kind of uh, work and PR campaigns that he's doing. Uh, so right after a short PSA break, I will be back to talk and give away actually a pair of tickets uh, for a performance by, the, by Canada's Royal Winnipeg Ballet. So do stay tuned. You are listening to The Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. The AMS Sexual Assault Support Centre, the SASC, is a free and confidential service which provides support to those who have experienced sexual assault, intimate partner violence and harassment. We provide services to folks of all genders, including students, staff, faculty and those who have a connection to the UBC Vancouver campus. We provide crisis and short-term emotional support, legal, medical and campus-related advocacy and outreach and educational programs. We are located in the Student Nest, room 3127. For more information on our hours of operation and other resources and services, please go to our website, amssask.ca, or visit our Facebook page, AMS Sexual Assault Support Centre. Offering the opportunity to learn about film and cultural perspectives from around the world, Real to Real Festival includes international family-friendly films and hands-on workshops. Running from April 8th to 15th, R2R has films, activities, behind the scenes, and more. Don't miss Sunday Fun Day. Spend the day watching and making animation. R2R is sure to delight, move, and amaze audiences of all ages. Check out r2rfestival.org for all the information. my life. I I wake up in the morning, I eat, I sleep, I shit. Breakfast with the Browns. So whatever it is, but I never shut it off for five minutes. I can't wait to impress my friends with my astounding knowledge of cool. Join your favorite Brownsters and tune in and listen to the best selection of down-tempo electro-pop lounge core. Strictly Squaresville. Remember. Subtle. Basic. Brown. Breakfast with the Browns. On CITR 101.9 FM. Every Monday morning. From 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. The older I get, the more life starts to make sense, and the less I care. Now we're riding the rainbow, the clouds and we're making it like young. Now we're riding the rainbow to Cloudsville And we're making it like you Now we're riding the rainbow to Cloudsville You know, you can give a hundred examples of what it isn't But man, you're going to have a hell of a time saying what it is 
Welcome back. My name is Christine Kim. You are listening to the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM, broadcasting to you live from the University of British Columbia on unceded Musqueam territory. We are now going to do a on-air ticket giveaway woohoo! <laughs> for Canada's Royal Winnipeg Ballet performance of Going Home Star, premiering tomorrow, April 7th, at the Queen Elizabeth Theater. It is going to run until Friday, and Going Home Star was actually created with the support of Canada's Truth and Reconciliation Commission to depict the stories both told and untold experienced by First Nations residential school survivors and their families. A decade into the making, this original work was commissioned um, in partnership uh, with Canada's Royal Winnipeg Ballet and was brought to life by an immensely talented team of Canadian artists, uh, including award-winning Canadian novelist Joseph Boyden. The ballet also features the powerful and heartfelt music of Enuk throat singer Tanya Tagic and Steve Wood and the North Cree singers. So if you are interested in winning this free, I repeat, free pair of tickets for tomorrow's opening show, 8 p.m. at the Queen Elizabeth Theater, please, please call in now at 604 822 2487. I'm going to be playing a mashup of the music that you're going to hear at the performance for about two minutes. Um, so anyone who's listening, that gives you enough time to reach for your phone and call in at 604-822-2487. Just to incentivize, incentivize, incent give you guys more incentive <laughs> the tickets are actually um, $30 a person um, if you want to get it, get it just regularly through the box office so this is really a great opportunity for you to go to an amazing um, quality ballet performance um, without the without the cost so oh and it looks like we have a winner let's see hello Hi, um, calling about the ballet. Fantastic. Can you please give us your name? Oh, great. It's uh, Kevin Spies. Great. Well, thank you so much for calling in. Um, if you could email uh, the arts report, um, okay. arts at citr.ca, we will be sure to uh, get those uh, tickets for you. But uh, just so that we can confirm, I guess, your um, identity, please give us your email, or actually, no, <laughs> if you could just call in at our, email us at arts at citr.ca, um, since I have your name, we uh, we will definitely be able to get those tickets for you. Okay. Thank you so much for that's, calling that's in, awesome. and it is really our pleasure um, to have, uh, to be able to give away these tickets, and really, I hope you enjoy the performance tomorrow. I'm looking forward to it. I haven't checked out something like that before, and that uh, sounds pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. So please, please, please uh, do email us. I'm just going to give you the email address one more time um, because I, I uh, really, really sure. want to uh, get these tickets to you. So the, the email address of the arts, arts Report is arts at yep. C-I-T-R dot C-A. And okay, yeah, I'll email you right right away. Yes, please, please do. And thank you again so much for calling in. Um, and uh, enjoy the performance. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Okay. 
Fantastic. We, I'm still going to be playing uh, the mashup of the music uh, performance for about uh, two minutes, uh, just because regardless of whether of whether or not uh, these tickets got to got to everybody who was uh, listening, um, please do consider actually uh, attending the performance um, because this is going to be um, a very unique performance that um, the Arts Report is uh, strongly uh, wanting to promote. So uh, here we go. Um, we will be right back after this, uh, after this clip. You are listening to the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. My name is Christine Kim. Welcome back. I hope that you enjoyed um, that little uh, mashup of the music that you would be hearing at the performance by the Royal Winnipeg Ballet, um, premiering premiering Going Home Star uh, tomorrow, April 7th, at the Queen Elizabeth Theatre, and doing a second performance the following night. So please do um, check the event out. And uh, what the Arts Report is now going to move into for the last half of the show, really, is to do a review of the of Vancouver Fashion Week. Vancouver Fashion Week ran from March 14th to the, to the 20th, and it was, and this represented its 16th year um, of doing a seven-day Fashion Week. And as as every single year, Vash- Vancouver Fashion Week brought together talented, very talented local and international designers in the fashion industry. It featured over 100 local and international designers at the, cult- at the Chinese Cultural Center for the fall, wi- fall winter 2016 season. As written by the Vancouver Fashion Week 
PR, uh, PR people themselves. The notable designers that were featured were No Bernasley from Peru, Rich Ivories and Burgundies uh, grace his collection with accents of neon green and stark black. Fringe details and beaded bodices made statements, and um, that just kind of gives you a little bit of a peek on um, on this particular designer's uh, clothing. Um, beyond No Bernasley, there was also Flora Miranda, a designer from UK, and a host of others. Now, the Arts Report uh, conducted interviews with many of the designers featured um, featured in Vancouver Fashion Week this year. We actually covered Vancouver Fashion Week last year as well and got interviews with the designers then as well. And so uh, what we're going to do right now is we're going to be playing the interviews that the Arts Report um, got uh, with the designers featured on Vancouver Fashion Week, um, Vancouver featured on Vancouver Fashion Week this year. But afterwards, we're going to be giving, um, we're going to be playing the Vancouver Fashion Week interviews that we had last year um, for VFW 2015. So you can get a sense of kind of the different the different kinds of designers that were featured this year as opposed to last year. Um, and the coverage of Vancouver Fashion Week was done not just by myself, uh, Christine Kim, but it was actually also done with a new arts reporter, Callie Hitchcock. Um, and she interviewed four fashion designers. She interviewed Okanada Sanda, photographers, Leslie Hampton, four four five one one two three four that is the <laughs> the name of the brand and um i'm going to be playing Callie's interview with these four designers each in order uh and uh enjoy uh you are listening to the arts report on citr 101.9 fm CITR. Nice. Do you mind if I talk to you about your work? Yeah, for sure, okay. For sure. So mine was your, yours was my favorite. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, so what did you feel like inspired your work? Um, I was inspired a lot by uh, Japanese anime and okay. like uh, Japanese shibari, and that's uh, that's kind of a form of bondage. Yeah. Um, also oh. a lot of urban wear, right? A lot of bright colors for the orange. Um, I kind of just draw inspiration from everywhere, just everywhere, my friends, my family, that's how I kind of get my inspiration for designs. Okay, cool. Um, I would say that like your um, rope sort of uh, noose shirt was definitely the most controversial. Um, What was that? What was in mind when you were doing that? Controversy. That's what what was in mind. I was thinking about controversy. Um, I love the fact that... um, I like I like to play on like the suicide. I like to play with the oh, suicide okay. kind of a thing. That's why I went with nooses. Um, I felt like the rope going with the pants, just like that. It just it just fit perfectly. Yeah, and totally. it was controversial enough to get me, you know, <laughs> to get me out here, but not in trouble at school. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, keep doing what you're doing. It was amazing. Thank you so much. Okay. Okay. So I'm here with. Archie Thomas. And Isaac Gray. Okay, and they're shooting Vancouver Fashion Week right now. So you've been here, you've been here twice? This is my second season. Yeah. Okay, and? First time around. Okay, so, so this is your first time? 
What's your initial impression of the whole thing? The environment here is awesome. It's everyone's so energetic and like this is awesome to see all the designers and things like that. Okay. Do you usually shoot what do you usually shoot when you're photography doing photography? I shoot landscapes and weddings. I'm just getting into fashion this year. So why is that? I just love the fact to be like interpret it what the designers have made, interpret it my own way with my photography. So. Okay, cool. Awesome. Okay, so it's your second time here, what do you think? I love it. Uh, I think Vancouver Fashion Week is very fun. Uh, Currently, I shoot in London, so I do all the fashion weeks in London. Uh, for me to come back to Vancouver, it's like to have a good time. I think it's more relaxed than London, which means slightly more enjoyable. Uh, and you see some uh, uh, an eclectic mix. Uh, there's all different styles, and there's some really great stuff. Yeah. So I guess what would you say is like more differences between like London and Vancouver this so far? London's kind of like traditional tailoring I mean, on the men's side and on the women's side it's still quite smart. Uh, London is, is fairly, uh, it sticks to a, it, what it knows. Uh, whereas Vancouver, it, you know, you see different styles. The, I'm a fan. Well, I, th I notice that they're both port cities, but like I feel like in Vancouver, there's probably more like diversity in terms of who's applying. Would you think that's true? Or? In terms of worldwide market, I mean, you, yeah. it, that's what Vancouver is great. It it takes uh, a huge collection of cultures and uh, puts them together in one show. I'm Miss CTR. I'm Cal Hitchcock. And what's your name? I'm Leslie Hampton. Okay, um, I liked your uh, pieces the best. I really liked the scarf dress or scarf outfit. That wasn't mine. Okay. No, was oh, yours was the. Okay. Yeah. I love the fish scales. Yeah. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. So what inspired that? I liked that it had a really good progression from sort of like low key to more shiny and intense. Okay. Um, what was your inspiration for that? Uh, the inspiration for the collection is the Native American jingle dress. Um, so reminiscent of the, the metal the metal on a garment. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Cool. So what do you, what would you say is like, why is fashion important, especially in this context that you're working for? Okay. Um, for, well, I design for a client who just wants to feel confident in what they're wearing. So I try to make something that'll make someone feel beautiful and strong. Okay. Yeah, awesome. So hopefully that's what I conveyed through yeah. my collection. So like, yeah. So I guess also sort of, what does fashion mean to you, kind of thing? Um, confidence. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever you can wear, something that makes you feel amazing. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Cool. Uh, okay. So, all right. Well, really quickly, I felt like your uh, collection was the most unique. It was playing with like textures. Is that kind of the theme you're running off of, like sleeping and like bed materials? The collection is actually about uh, individuality and uniqueness okay. in our street culture and in our clothing culture. I think I also referenced the book People of the 21st Century, okay. saying that the book uh, mentioned that um, uniqueness and individuality is actually not that. Not that wear it's actually very common. So kind of the aim of the collection was to make everything looks identical at a glance, but actually, if you look carefully, they are very, very different. I love that. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much. And what's your name again? My name is Song, and yeah. I use the number uh, four four five one one two three four. 
as my logo. Awesome, thanks. Can't wait to see more from you. Thank you. All right, see you later. That was Callie Hitchcock's interviews with the uh, photographers and the interviewers or, and the designers at Vancouver Fashion Week this year. Next, I'm going to be playing my interviews with uh, various fashion designers at VFW, um, at VFW 2016. Hello arts reporters, it is the final day of Vancouver Fashion Week and as you can see my voice is already gone because of the crazy week it's been. With me <clears throat> we have three designers that we are going to interview today and the first one that I'm with uh, showed a line of bridal dresses and collections. Can you please start off with your name and the name of your line? Yeah, my name is Bonnie Chung, and um, my company is JB Couture um, slash JB Bridles. That's our new uh, our new collection. Yeah, and most of the dresses it varied from they were all classic white, but they varied from being lace to filled with sparkles, strapless. There were some full length gowns. What was the inspiration for this collection? Um, so with this collection, uh, it's really unique because there's six tops and six bottoms that are interchangeable. So um, essentially, a bride can choose one top and have three bottoms and have four different dresses because a top can be worn on its own. Um, the inspiration is from working with a lot of custom uh, wedding gowns from, with my clients where they're asking, okay, well, I want a shorter dress and I want a longer dress. Well, I like this top. I don't like this bottom. How do we do that? So that's how I came up with this collection where you can mix and match any tops and bottoms. And Bonnie, how long have you been working in the fashion industry? Um, I graduated from John Casablancas in 2006. Um, did it maybe design for a year or two, gave up on it because it was <laughs> just too much investment into it. Um, but 2010 was when I officially went back and um, started designing evening dresses and cocktail dresses. And 2014 was when we launched JB Bridal. And Bonnie, what does fashion mean to you? Um, everything. <laughs> I remember mostly for me it's fashion and mostly it's dresses because <laughs> I remember even when I was two or three my mom would tell me that I would not, I would refuse to wear pants because I told her I'm a girl. Um, and so I've always had like a love for dresses and a love for fashion. So it's, a, it's everything, it's day to day thing. <laughs> and final question, what is your definition of beauty? Um, beauty, I very strong believer of comes mostly from within. Right? If you're a beautiful person inside um, and you love yourself, then no matter you know how you are on the outside, you'll still be beautiful. You'll, you'll glow of beauty um, because as long as you love yourself and you're comfortable with yourself and you're confident, then you'll be beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. So could you start off with your name and the name of your line? Uh, my name is Alice S. Chu, and my line is the same as my name. I was watching the collection that you featured on the runway, and there was a lot of buckles and suspenders for many of the outfits, and I saw that a lot of the outfits were loose and asymmetrical. What inspired this line? Well, the collection is called The Artificial Promise, so it's inspired by the 1984 novel by George Orwell. So the story is about like government versus people and how government controls the people's freedom of thought, freedom of speech. So I kind of like use that as the current issue, you know, like 
we're on social media, we're on the internet, we're saying whatever we want because we're hidden behind a screen. But then there are conspiracies saying that government are actually, you know, spying on everything that we do. So, like, we think we're living in a very free era, but are we, like, are we really as free as we think we are? So that's what the collection is, like, the question that the collection is asking. So as you said, like, the buckles and everything, they're very tightly, like, around the neck or the wrist or, like, on the body. So that kind of uh, is inspired by the constriction of, like, the government on the people. And the colorful prints and then, like, the loose and the asymmetrical are, like, symbolizing the freedom of the people. So the collection is really just, like, two contrasting feelings. Yeah. Alex, how long have you been working in the fashion industry? Like, one and a half year. This is my third collection. And what does fashion mean to you? Well, fashion to me is a very big part of life. You know, people can't live without it. Everybody has to wear clothes. So for yourself, how would you define the word beauty? Uh, I think beauty is just being who you really are and not being like what someone else thinks you are. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Do you mind starting off with your name and the name of your collection? Exactly. Well, my name is Lautaro Amadeo Tambuto. Um, the collection uh, is Latin Lover. My brand is LAT. Uh, it's a Latin athletic tailor I'm working now. Um, it was a collection inspired in tango and also the hooligans from Argentina, like a neighborhood. And it was like that strong. How long have you been in the fashion industry? Well, actually, um, I've been studying design since I was 17. Now I'm 21. I graduated in Argentina and then in Marangoni, Instituto Marangoni, Milano, last year. I showed at Fashion Clash and I won the contest last year. And this is like the first show, like from the from the brand that the before one was like a project. Wow. And for yourself, what does fashion mean to you? Well, actually fashion for me is like a way of communication. So for me it's really important at that moment when you have that opportunity to show something, it's like to communicate something. And this case was like, my experiences as being a Latin lover and also like uh, the reality of the social life of, and the population in Argentina. Like um, the way they are, like so fashion. Like in this case we have like tango which is something like super cultural and like an artistic way and then the football so both are like um, like the same thing that's, that unify them is the passion because the, the tango is super passionate so last question what does beauty mean to you well actually beauty um, I don't consider beauty like the standard beauty I found beauty everywhere every, in everything so maybe, which is not that common, is a beauty. That which is not that common. Yeah. I'm really inspired in the streets. Also here in Vancouver, really inspired me Hastings Street. So that's not that common. It's not the beauty that people will think. And for me, that's the beauty. So that's what inspired me. Great. And how can our listeners find out more about your line and about your design? Well, um, now it should be updated the website, latinathleticsailor.com. Also in, in, on Instagram in Lat uh, Official. And soon there will be like online store to buy. Yes. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you.
Great. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. As you could tell, <laughs> I was quite sick um, and my voice was completely shot, but the show must go on. And I had an absolutely lovely time interviewing those fashion designers at Vancouver Fashion Week um, this year. For any listeners who are just joining in for the last uh, for the last 10 minutes of the show, this is The Arts Report, and my name is Christine Kim, the host. The way that we are going to end off today's show is by airing, actually, the fashion designers that were interviewed um, last for last year's Vancouver Fashion Week. Um, and so you can really get a sense of how much how how much VFW is growing and the different variety of fashion designers that they really showcase every single year. So um, that is the way that we are going to end off. Um, just so you know, today there is no uh, new episode of Sharing Science, um, but I'm sure that Sharing Science will be back again another week. Uh, for the Arts Report, we will be back next week. Um, 5 to 6 p.m. Wednesday. Um, thank you so much uh, to thank you so much to Kevin who called in to our show today and for listening to our show. Thank you so much for all of you listeners out there. Uh, the Arts Report can would really not be happening without uh, the support of um, you listeners. You are part of the Arts Report community just by listening in so thank you so much and if you would like more information on really anything that we talked about on today's program please 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 feel free to reach out to us on on our facebook and our twitter accounts our twitter handle is at citr underscore arts report you can find us on facebook under the name the arts report on citr 101.9 fm um, so thank you again so much for tuning in. Enjoy this uh, broadcast of this this airing of Vancouver Fashion Week 2015. And do look forward uh, to what Vancouver Fashion Week will bring in 2017. My name is Christine Kim. Thank you so much for listening. This was The Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. Hello, Arts Reporter listeners. About three weeks ago, I attended the biannual seven-day event known as Vancouver Fashion Week. I got to see so many different runway shows, observe various clothing lines, and most importantly, chat with several designers. Here are the interviews I collected from my time covering VFW. I'm with Tuli Shi. She is a fashion designer at Vancouver Fashion Week. Um, Tuli, can you tell me about what you thought of your show and kind of the concept behind your dresses? This season, the collection was inspired by kind of like the reasons behind that me being me. So it's a little um, conceptual, but um, basically, I'm inspired by the things I've been around and maybe ignored before. And now I rethink that maybe these are the things that actually inspired me and make, make me to today's me. That. That's a lot of personal sentiment and yeah. personal investment in your clothes. Mm -hmm. 
Are you a Vancouver-based fashion designer? No, actually,、uh, I'm based in Taiwan. Yeah. So、uh, actually, I just、uh, moved back to Taiwan this June. I was、uh, study in New York and been there for five years, and come back. To me, it's a little weird because、um, it's a place that I should be familiar with, but、um, I don't think I think it's a little different from like what I thought. I'm sure that Taiwanese fashion and then fashion here in Vancouver,、um, what you connect with more and what you inspire, what you're inspired by, is a mixture of both worlds.、Um, Yeah, I think it's、um, because I've been like around the world, like the state, Canada, and maybe even London, and I kind of try to like mix the experiences I've been like around and try to not combine, but maybe translate in my way. Yeah. And final question: How can our listeners find out more about you? Do you have a blog? Do you have a website that people can、um, look at so they can、um, see more of your work?、Um, I have a website, so it's、uh, tvulihsu.com. I'm with yet another fashion designer. Her name is Lee Reyna.、Um, I was wondering if you could tell me a bit more about the concept behind it. Behind the collection, or just the whole brand in general?、Um, both. <laughs> well, the brand is generally about confident women. They've got this tomboy sort of edgy look. They love to wear like, baggy clothes and sneakers all the time. So it's really just about exploring the confidence of a woman that doesn't have to wear like tight clothes to sort of get attention. That they love being comfortable more than anything. Would you say that this collection, particularly, was a little bit more edgier or more war-inspired than your other collection? Because my first one is really like it was menswear, and I just put women in it. My first collection, but this one is a little more feminine because I was exploring sort of like Cuba and the women in Havana who wear those really sort of big. Flouncy dresses with the ruffles and the pleats, but I wanted to combine it with that edge, and it is kind of—I didn't want to use the word military, but it has got that because I was looking at the Cuban Revolution. So obviously, it is quite worrying when you're looking at it. But it's just basically having that boyish look, mix it with that Cuban sort of girliness, that endearing sort of charm that they have, and then throwing in a bit of London as well. Sneakers coming. <laughs> sneakers are everything. No, that's an incredible fusion, <laughs>、yeah. and especially the bags that the girls were wearing、yeah. to the pouches. I、um, was getting that vibe,、um, and I was wondering, did you pick out the song for the runway? Oh yeah, completely. Like,、um, music to me is like the most important part of the show because I think it it really does describe the whole mood of the collection, and it started off really. Well, it's London grime. The music is called grime. Um, so it started off really sort of London and that dirty sort of sound, and then it got a little bit more dancey with the US hip hop. So yeah, it was yeah, definitely. I always choose my music. I have to. <laughs> so I was wondering, when you are designing your clothes, do you usually feel inspired by the music that you're listening to while you're like? Yeah, I mean, this collection I listen to a lot of 
90s hip-hop and R&B and then sort of like I was trying to listen to a bit of Spanish sounding music because I've travelled a lot in Latin America so I listen to a lot of um, like reggaeton and salsa and merengue so yeah definitely I'm always listening to music and then that's when I start drawing and getting designs and inspiration just keeps flowing from that so yeah um, and for our listeners that are wanting to explore what a career in fashion might look like for yourself what have been some of the biggest challenges but also the biggest rewards challenges for me just going to uni three years of like studying <laughs> it was hard for me but I because I knew what I wanted to do, I just sort of put my head down and got through it. Um, work experience is key. I've done, like, two really great internships, um, and then I was working in industry after I graduated as well, and it was, like, the best experience ever. I think, I feel like I learned more, like, working in the industry rather than studying. It's like you learn two different sides to it. In uni, you're more creative. When you work, you get the business side as well, especially if you want to be your own sort of your own brand label mm -hmm. it's important yeah no for sure the classroom can only teach you so yeah, much exactly. yeah mm -hmm. definitely yeah. great well um i guess as a final question for anybody who wants to um follow up on your work and maybe see um what other collections you do come out with soon do you have um some like a blog or a website that I've people can my own website which is leerayner.com um find me on instagram as well which is lee.rayner um, I do have Twitter, but I don't use it that much, so forget that one. Um, and then Facebook, which is Lee Rayner London. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. I'm with um, the designer Maeve and Mai. Sorry, it's Mai. Mai. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I do apologize. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mai. Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> um, I guess my first question for you, Mai, is that your name? Yeah, that is my name. Okay, is, um, oh, well, my first question was going to be, how did you derive the name Mai? But if that's your name, then it totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, so as I was watching the fashion um, show that you put on, I saw that the clothes were very elegant and the women looked very uh, put together. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about the concept behind the line that um, was shown on the runway? Um, I think I kind of wanted to um, embody, like, the sophisticated side of me um, because last season I came out with something more more fun and more um, colorful so I kind of want to tone it down but make it uh, more sophisticated a little bit more um, you know girly and flowy as you can see in the flower prints and you know just like but still shows like strong women so I think that's what I try to capture no that's great and um, tell me a little bit more about how the process of creating a line of clothes work well the thing the crazy thing was that they uh vancouver fashion week contacted me like a month before the show started so i kind of didn't have i still had like my collection from last season and they said it was okay to show but you know i was like i can't show the same thing i want to present something new so i had like about three and a half weeks um so it's kind of crazy but I started sketching, you know, and I was just thinking, how am I going to put this together with it looking very put together, you know, like sophisticated, elegant. Um, so I did, you know, I just, I looked toward like modern silhouettes, uh, very simple, um, just simple, like simple, simple silhouettes, I would say. And it, I got it done in like three and a half weeks. And that was my design process. And I did everything myself, patterns, sewing. 
um, like the whole production, and it was just, it was overwhelming, but I did it. <laughs> so. That's incredible, three yeah. and a half weeks. Yeah. Um, so how long have you been in the fashion industry, and what initially brought you to it? Um, well, you know, as I was a child, I always, you know, I always saw my mom doing, like, little embroideries, like, really intricate embroideries um, for, like, our Hmong um, culture clothing. So that kind of, that is what kind of, you know, captured my eye. And um, coming up from, like, a Hmong family, like, you know, Asian background, um, uh, we weren't really exposed to creative arts. So, you know, I think I just kind of found that my, within myself, and I wanted to do something different. You know, I didn't want to be a teacher or a doctor, you know. So um, I've been, I went to school, to the Art Institute in San Francisco in 06. I graduated OA. Um, and then um, after that, my dad passed away, so it kind of mm-hmm. set you know me back a little bit because I just want to like clear my mind. Mm-hmm. And um, I just recently started back earlier this year in February um, at Sacramento Fashion Week, and mm-hmm. you know obviously it exposed me to Vancouver Fashion Week, which was you know amazing. So yeah. That's a very um, personal backstory, and it must be very nice to kind of jump back into what you were doing before. Oh, yeah, it is. Um, yeah. Um, so another question, I guess, tell me about this concept of the independent woman, um, because I know that oftentimes to people looking into the fashion industry, it's very superficial. It's really just skinny models trying to sell clothes for rich um, privileged people what kind of message do you want to give to the general public looking into your clothes like what more do you hope that they see beyond just the clothes I think I just want them to see that women can be strong um, and comfortable you know in in my clothes I would say you know like it, it's not overly priced you know it's it's just very easygoing you know like you can just wake up and throw it on you know and you look amazing you know because I'm a working mom and I want to feel like that every day when I wake up so Mm -hmm. that's that's me that's my independence and yeah but I think comfortable clothes speaks a lot and you can still make it sophisticated and chic every day (laughs) It's incredible. Um, so I guess for our listeners, um, do you mind letting us know, you know, maybe a website that you have um, to s- catch up on more of your designs or um, a location for your store? Um, I don't have a store at the moment, but I'm working on an online boutique, so hopefully that will take off soon. <laughs> um, but my website is uh, my.us, and you can also follow me at uh, my underscore my so it's at it at m a i underscore m a i b great thank you so much for this interview Mai. thank you i am with um, miriam the designer for the line mirror and um i'm here to talk to you about the fashion show that you just put on so what i thought was very eye-catching was the red bruises or um, kind of marks on the model's bodies. Tell me, what were you trying to achieve through that and and what inspired you to do that with your models? Have you done that in the past before? Um, Well, it was bruises indeed and um, my inspiration I got from Hollywood and um, yeah, how they, how stars living their life, it's so fake, they do face jobs, they cover everything up, like if there's a small thing on your body that is not perfect, 
they just cover it up. They always have to have the perfect life. And I just wanted to embrace the beauty in, yeah, in trying and failing in, in progress because no one is having a perfect life. And, yeah, I just wanted to embrace that. So I just combined the bruises, very visible, on the, with the very elegant dresses. And, yeah, I just, yeah, it was just important to me that you just show who you are and don't hide yourself. Mm -hmm. For yourself, for this line, the clothes especially, um, what was the concept behind it? Were you, um, what were kind of the inspirational um, moments you had while you were sketching out these dresses and these shirts and these um, other pieces of clothing? <laughs> well, um, I was definitely also taking inspiration from Hollywood, red carpet, and um, gowns, like really dress-up dresses. And while well, the inspiration for the, especially for the colors, were the bruises itself. So I just collected a lot of pictures of bruises in different stages when they heal. And uh, I combined that to make uh, patterns out of it and make, um, yeah, put it into something nice, something people appreciate instead of giving it that, oh, what do you have on your body, you know? I don't want to see it, but, like, embrace it. Yeah. Yeah, that was important for me. And um, I also wanted to have it more, like, wearable because my last collection was uh, pretty arty, pretty couture, but totally not wearable and this time I, I really wanted it to be also wearable no that's that's very important for the yeah every average person that's looking at your clothes to be wearable um and moving a little bit towards your fashion career so yes. far tell me about um when you initially started and why you chose the fashion industry to um the industry that you wanted to make your kind of name known in yeah well I started to do fashion since well when I was 14 mm -hmm. so I had school I was in school and I studied and I um, graduated two years ago so I'm pretty young pretty young designer but like from the beginning I, I wasn't sure what I was what, what I wanted to do, it was something creative. So it just started in fashion school, and then it just got me, I just got so in love with it that it just is, it's like my drug now, so I really cannot do anything else. I don't know if you have that, like, or if you just love talk, doing photos, or if you're really into tech stuff, it's just something that is in my DNA now, and I really cannot see myself doing anything else. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's, that's what I want to do, what I want to keep doing. That's incredible. It's a passion that's grown on you over time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so tell me about how... So I see that you're at the Vancouver Fa at Vancouver Fashion Week. Are you a Vancouver-based fashion designer, or do you have your base somewhere else? Well, I, am, uh, I came from Europe, so uh, my base is currently in the Netherlands. Uh, but I'd love to uh, move to the U.S., so that's actually my kind of goal. What's the biggest, I guess, challenge that you faced um, in the past, I guess, couple years? I know you haven't been in the fashion yeah. industry for too long, but for yourself, um, tell me about, um, yeah, one of the biggest challenges that you faced over the past two years and maybe some advice on how you overcame it. I think there, if you do fashion, like, don't expect it to be fancy, fancy, glamorous. It's like a lot of work. It's not like what you think it is when you look at the fashion shows. It's totally not. 
it's a lot of work and and if you don't really do the job and if you're not being disciplined yeah you're not gonna make it so my advice would be just be very disciplined and work on yourself hard keep your eyes always open for new experience new difficulties and just don't let yourself drag down because there will always be haters and there was always people who don't like your stuff but that's that's just how it is in a creative business mm. wise words um, I guess as a final question how can our listeners um, find out more about you do you have a website and um, do you also have a like an address for a boutique well, there's no boutique yet. Um, I have a website. You guys can check me out at www.miriamreikersdorf.com. That's super long, I know. Um, just try to Google me. I think that's the best best possibility. And um, there's also an Instagram. Just look me up from the Vancouver Fashion Week, Mir, and there's more information on there. Great. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. Have a nice day.